I want to say something. I don't know if we'll get through all of it today because I'm not in the mood to rush, Jenny. Sometimes I get into this, I got I to gotta hit the whole thing, and, and sometimes there's a flow for that. And sometimes, there's, sometimes I'll lose the promptings of the Spirit when He'll prompt me, go on this bunny trail, or say this, or call this person's name out, if I'm just like barreling. And sometimes there's a flow to barrel. Like last Sunday, there was a flow to barrel. This Sunday, I don't sense that flow. It's more of a teaching flow. And, uh, and if, I, if I just try to get everything in, you know, in this 45 minutes, I'm probably going to miss some cues of the Holy Spirit because I'm just so focused. So I'm just going to slow down because I'd rather let him guide and pick it up again next Sunday if I have to than, uh, than try to get it all out. Um, we might get it all out, but we might not. So I'm just going to take it a, a few step, one step at a time here. But before I start something, when I was uh, praying, this morning, something come up in my spirit uh, that I just felt I needed to tell you. Um, you know, <clears throat> uh, Pastor Nancy's my pastor, and uh, the Lord told me to sow a, us to sow a personal gift into her life during this time. And so I said to my right hand man, because I'm I'm now know that I need to send something to her because I love her, and. Uh, and so I said to my right-hand man, call FedEx. Why did I say call FedEx? Because I need what I've got for her needs to get to her quickly and without delay. Yeah. And, the, and the mail will take too long. So I said to my right-hand man, Errol, call FedEx and have them pick up this package for Pastor Nancy. And by the way, some of you had, uh, remember, every time a guest leaves the, the, the week, week or two after, there's some little extra offerings kind of trickle in because some people don't give, you know, on the day that they're here. And so the board of directors, uh, you know, allowed those offerings to be sent to her. So we took those little trickles that came in. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was something. And so we, we, we in addition to my gift, we added that. And so we sent her two two drafts, two American drafts. And uh, I said to my right-hand man, call FedEx because I got to get something over to the one that I love. And so I, and so he called FedEx and FedEx picked it up and FedEx delivered it. And uh, Pastor Nancy received it and texted me and thanked me and praise God, what a joy. and, And the Lord said something to me in prayer this morning, honey. And he said, son, I did the same thing. And, and, and this, is, this is what he got over to me by the Holy Ghost. He said, just like you're the father of your ministry, he said, I'm the father of all. And he said, I said to my right-hand man. Who's the right-hand man? The Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And Father speaks, he, he authors things, and Jesus does the work. We see this in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the first few verses. It says that God is in charge of the operations. He speaks things. Jesus is in charge of the administration. He does the word of the Father. And the Holy Spirit is in charge of the manifestation. He manifests the words of, Je- the, the, words of the Father and the actions of Jesus. You see that in 1 Corinthians 12. And, uh, and, and so Jesus is his right-hand man. And I just, it just come up in my heart so sweet and so kind, Jenny, that he said, as the father, I said to my right-hand man, I have got something to give the one that I love. Who's the ones that he loves? The church. So call FedEx. Now, he didn't say FedEx, but call the person, call somebody to deliver what I have to the ones that I love. Jesus, according to Ephesians 4.11, According to Psalm 68, the Father gave gifts unto Jesus. 
According to Ephesians 4, uh, 11, uh, 10 and 11, Jesus took those gifts and he gave them unto men. What, what is, you heard Dr. Dufresne say it many times, he said, I'm a FedEx delivery boy. Yeah, that's right. What are ministers? I said, Errol, call FedEx. What did God say to Jesus? Call somebody. Somebody with a calling. A five-fold minister is who God called. He called somebody, a human being, that is just like everybody else, not special, but he called their name, and we call that a calling. The gifts and callings are without repentance. He called a delivery boy. Just like I had Errol call FedEx, who is the delivery boy, to get what I, what I want sent to the person I love. Pastor Nancy, in this case, God said to his son, Jesus, on his right hand, he said, call somebody. And Jesus gave a calling to some folks in the earth. He called them by name and said, I'm calling you to be my delivery boy. You could be a doctor, a lawyer, a truck driver, an inventor, this, a banker, but I've called you, I'm calling you, you be my delivery boy in the earth and send to the people that I love, my church, my body, my message, just like I called the delivery boy, my right-hand man called the delivery person to get my message of love to my pastor who I love. God called me. I'm the FedEx delivery boy and every fivefold minister is because God is calling us to simply open our mouth under the anointing of his spirit with his word and deliver a message to the ones that he loves. God is not going to, he will speak many things directly to you. And he does in our prayer times and in our study times. But he gives us a person with skin on, a fivefold office, a pastor, as well as the other four gifts that he has called as delivery boys to deliver his message, his love, his help, his instruction, his correction, his rescue, his help and aid to the ones that he loves, which is the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm nothing but a FedEx delivery boy, but God has called me because he wants me to deliver something that he loves to you. So when you hear me, it's not just a matter of, well, that's Pastor Craig's opinion or that's Pastor Craig's, uh, his angle at it. This is God speaking through a delivery person to you. You honor, thank God for the delivery person and you can honor the office and you can honor the person in the office. But I'm telling you that the main, the main vent here is not the delivery person. It is the message that God has given the delivery boy to get to the ones that he loves and you are the ones that he loves. Praise God. And by the way, we know the Bible says many are called. This is a bunny trail, but few are chosen. God calls many people with fivefold offices, but he does not choose many people. With, he chooses few. Why does he choose few? I asked the Lord that years ago. He only answered me about three months ago. He said, you know how you've been asking me, how come I choose so few? And I said, yes, Lord. He said, it's not about me just selecting people arbitrarily. He said, I choose the ones who choose. I call many, but I choose few. But the qualification of him choosing you is not because he's picking names out of a hat. That would be unfair. The qualification of being chosen by God is he chooses you because you choose certain things. And this is, I think, where a lot of young ministers miss it. They are in a rush. 
They are many times arrogant and they think that they're more than they are. And God has to burn all that dross and all that carnality and all that uh, wrong motives and all that arrogance out of them because he's waiting for them to choose right decisions. When they choose to answer that call, when they choose to be faithful, when they choose to humble themselves, when they choose to serve another man, Jesus showed us this because he, 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 were, he let John the Baptist baptize him even though he was greater than him. And he said, we must do this for righteousness sake. In other words, it's right to let somebody who's over me spiritually in the Lord, who was the move of God before Jesus, because he was having revival before Jesus, and he submitted to his authority. And as soon as he did that, God spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son. So God publicly, verbally, in a dramatic way, put a stamp of approval on Jesus, not just being water baptized. What did it represent? He was submitting to somebody spiritually over him because the revival that John had was a revival of baptism That's where God was using John. It was a different flow in Jesus' ministry, but Jesus had to come under that flow. He had to submit to that anointing, and it showed a submission to those above us, to spiritual fatherhood. It showed humility, and God was so impressed with that, he said, look, look, I'm pleased with what you're doing, son. So God let everybody hear him tell how he was pleased with his son submitting to somebody that was over him. Jesus, of course, went off into the wilderness and then did his own ministry. But you've got to submit to somebody. And a lot of ministers that are trying to get into ministry won't submit. In fact, I'm speaking by the Holy Ghost to somebody, maybe more than one. If you're watching and if you'll listen and pay attention and humble yourself, this will be a rescue to you. You're fighting against John's baptism and God can't use you and won't because you won't choose to make right decisions. And he may have called you, but he won't choose you unless you choose certain things. You have to qualify. You got to qualify, young minister. You got to qualify. You don't qualify because you think you're the best and you're all that and la da da da. That's not what qualifies you in God's art. What God says qualifies you is the greatest of all, is the servant of all. Jesus said, I come to serve. And even at the Last Supper, he was washing feet. God is looking for that humility and that servant's heart and that small in your own eyes kind of attitude. That's why he blessed Solomon so much because Solomon said, I'm a child going out and coming in. I don't know how to lead this, your great people. I'm simple. And God said, I like that. I like that humility. Let me bless you with some wisdom. Let me bless you with some riches. Let me make you the greatest king that's ever lived. But it started with him saying, I'm a child. I don't know how to go out and come in. And I certainly don't know how to take care of this, your people. God is looking for ministers to say, I'm a child, Lord. I don't know how to help. I don't know how to do everything that you've called me to do with your people because you've called me to be a mouth mouth vessel, a spokesperson to your people. Help me, Lord. I'm small in my own eyes. I'm a child. Help me. And God loves that humility. and And he lifts you up. He exalts the humble. And he knows the proud afar off. He doesn't even let them get near him. And a lot of ministers don't get into their calling because they didn't choose right. And God can't choose them. Many are called, but few are chosen. In fact, let me say this. Take a hint. Reverend Greg said something to me years ago. He said, why does Pastor Nancy not just tell us straight what's wrong with us? You know, like privately, like one-on-one. She'll tell you from the public. But, you know, because 
you know, he said, you know, if I'm missing it, you know, why doesn't she just tell me like, Greg, you're missing it or Craig, you're missing it. Why does she kind of just kind of hint of it? And I said to her, I said to him, I said, well, first of all, that's her personality. That's her flow. But I said, you know, Pastor Nancy is really strongly believes that you need to pay attention. That if people can't take the hints, you've got the same Holy Ghost that she has. So if people can't hear the Holy Ghost and God wants her to kind of give a hint or or kind of start to turn their attention in a certain direction, she'll do it real gentle and real slight. And you know in our lives, Jenny, sometimes she's been very direct and overt, but most times, nine out of ten times, she's very, very hinting. She doesn't come right out and say it like that. Now, Dr. Dufresne was a different personality. He's more like me. And he just come out and slap you. You know what I'm saying? Pastor Nancy is a a real lady and she's just got a certain wonderful quality about her. And she'll just gently lead you, gently hint. And you got to pay attention with her because if you don't pay attention and watch and listen instead of talking, watch and listen to what she's saying, then go back to the hotel room and think, why did she say that? Then ask the Holy Ghost to say, Lord, she's trying to help me, but I'm not getting it. Teach me what you're trying to get over to me through her. If you don't pay attention, you'll miss stuff. And there's a lot of stuff Pastor Nancy's helped me with without coming overtly out and telling me. She's hinted and I haven't quite figured out what she meant when she said it, but I would go home and my wife and I would pray And then the Holy Ghost would start to reveal to us what he was trying to get through to us through our pastor. But she is just such a gentleman, gentleman, she's a lady, but there's no such word as a gentlewoman. So she's a gentleman. She doesn't force. She just presents very softly. Now, I'm a little bit of a different personality. Sometimes I, I just need you to, I want them to get it so bad that I just slap them a little bit and be a little bit more direct because a lot of people don't take the hint. So uh, sometimes I am hinting and very gentle, but other times I'm a little bit more direct. That's just my flow. Every person's got a different flow. But let me just tell you something, ministers, if you or those that are feel you're called to be ministers, but you're still in the qualification and the and the approval process by God, he's waiting for you to choose some things, make choices so he can choose you. But it's up to you. It's It's not up to him. It's up to you. He may have called you, but you've got to qualify for him to choose you. Let me give you a little hint, some of you, because you're a little bit slow on the uptake, some of you. You should listen and pay attention to what I say about my spiritual parents. You should mark if you're smart. Not all of you are, and I'm not being mean, but you're not. If you're smart, you should mark what I say when I talk about Pastor Nancy, when I talk about Reverend Greer, and when I talk about Reverend Jerry, you should pay attention, especially when I talk about Pastor Nancy, because she's my number one. You should pay attention to how I talk about her, what I say about her, what I do for her, to her, around her, because I'm giving you life examples of what I do to somebody over me to try to help to teach you what you're supposed to do to somebody over you. The motive of your heart toward them, the the prayer you pray for them, the attacks you'll come under uh, by the devil about them, how you answer those attacks, how you talk about them, how you serve them, what things you offer to do for them, how... If, you, if you're smart, pay attention to when I talk about my pastor because some of you do. You're actually good students and some of you are not. 
I'm telling you, you're not. I'm speaking by the Spirit. Some of you that want ministry, you're not good students. You, 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 you're listening to all the stuff I'm preaching and you're doing it, praise God for that. But you're not skillful in listening to how I'm trying to train you hint, subtly and with just simple hints about how do you treat your man or woman of God? How does Elisha treat Elijah? Because it's going to determine whether he gets that mantle. How you treat and how you act and how you pray and the motives of your heart and what you do or don't do for your man of God. And this is not manipulation because I don't want nothing from you and I don't need nothing from you because God is blessing me and my wife. Our socks are getting blown off. He's blessing us. So I'm not trying to manipulate, control, or twist this in some inappropriate way. I'm not, I don't, I'm not doing this for me. I don't need anything. I'm trying to help you get to the graduation so that God will choose you and you you step into your ministry. And I'm telling you, there, there is certain things that must be done towards your Elijah. There must be done towards your Saul, David and Saul. There must be done towards your Moses, Joshua and Moses. There's got to be certain things that are done. If, if you're going to have to make some choices, first of all, between you and God, and second of all, between those that God has put over you. And if you make the choices, you'll see things will come to pass for you. I've proved it. You know, Jenny, we have been, I've preached for 17, not served a lot more years than that in ministry of helps, yeah. but I stood behind a pulpit and preached yes. for 17 long years, including working multiple jobs in the ministry and multiple jobs in the world that I hated, but I had to pay bills. I was faithful in serving and in, the, in the, and in the qualification season for 17 long years before God chose to give me my own work, which was promise of life when I was 33 years old in 2008. But for 17 years before that, I served, I helped, I obeyed, I was faithful. A lot of people, they think because they've done it for a one year or two years that they've shot the moon. I'm not saying that you have to do it for 17. God's plan for every individual is unique. Jesus served for 18 years before God chose to give him his ministry. I served for 17 years. Other people serve for various lengths of time. It's not about the number of years. It's about fulfilling the season of preparation. And you've got to be willing to be faithful. You've got to be willing to be very humble. You've got to be willing to be very loyal, which is part of faithfulness. And just keep your motives right. And if you'll, and treat the person over you, treat God right, obviously first, treat the one over you right and have that right heart, that servant heart. And you'll see God will extend an hand to you and he will exalt your ministry and cause you to come into the fullness of what you're called for, just like he did for me and my wife. But it didn't happen just because I had a gift to preach. I had a gift to preach. My mother tells me that at three years old, when we would have family Christmas dinners, two years old at family Christmas dinners, I'd stand up. I couldn't even speak. I couldn't speak. I had a little soother, what I called a dummy in my mouth. And she said, Craig, you would stand up, you know, during the, in, in Africa, you know, we're a bit more formal. So everything is very fancy and we got everything laid out beautifully. It's just, that's our culture. And uh, at the end there's toasts. It's like more English in some ways. And every, and different people would stand up and give a toast and, and more of a formal capacity. We were more formal in our culture, at least back then. And uh, there'd be 10, 20 people, more than 10, more like 20 of the extended family, grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles, everybody, all 
all around this big table and people would stand up and give toasts. And my mother said every year from two years and on, I would stand up in my chair. I'd be in a little chair. I'd stand up on the chair so everybody could see me. I'd pull the dummy out of my mouth and I'd put my finger like this and I'd say, and I'd talk in baby language because I couldn't speak English. I, I don't know what I was saying. I guess I knew what I was saying. I had something to say. <laughs> I had something to say. And I would give a speech in baby language and then put my dummy back and sit back down like I had fulfilled my assignment. And my mother said it was the most astonishing thing to watch. She said, everybody would watch you. Everybody would let you do what you would do. Nobody would try to stop you or say, oh, that's ridiculous. They would listen to you because you had such conviction at two that you had something to say. And then you put your dummy in and sit back down like you had done your job. And she said, it became like a tradition that became a regular thing every Christmas. I want you to know from before I could even speak English, there was a call on my life to preach. And, and that, was, that, that was basically that calling starting to come out. I had something to say. I didn't even know nothing about nothing, but I had something to say. And I loved the Bible because it's the only book that I, that I would read. The only, I wouldn't let my mother read me anything else but the children's Bible. I don't know why I was like that. I just was from the time I was two years old. All I read was Bible stories and I had something to say. From the time I was two, I've been called to preach. Not even always in English. I've always had something to say, but you know that wasn't enough. I had to be faithful. I had to be humble. I had to yield to the call of God. I had to give up financial dreams. Now God's making it back to me. Sure. But I had to give up very large salaries that I was offered to go and work in the world. I had to give up my love for being a game ranger in Africa. I had to give up Africa. Now God's giving it back to me and letting me go back, but I had to die to that. I had to be in Canada, which the weather and everything I didn't necessarily want to be. I had to, I, I had to have a church. I didn't want a church. I wanted to travel. I had to give up some things. I had to yield. I had to submit. I had to be faithful. I had to preach for years. I had to serve multiple spiritual parents and pastors, not all of them that treated me right. I had to bite my tongue more times than I can tell you and shut my mouth and humble myself because that's part of preparation. I was making choices, Jenny. For 17 years, I made choices and God finally approved of my choices and he says, I called you, but because you've chosen right, I choose you. Stand up. And he blessed me. Now I keep making choices. I have to make choices since we started this church. I have to constantly make right choices for God's blessing to stay. And it is, and it is growing. But it's about choices. Such as about some woo-woo stick, you know, God, ooh, I call you and I choose you and it's all done. You can do whatever you want. It's not like that for ministers. I don't know why I'm on that, but there's somebody listening that you need to hear this. If you'd pay attention I'm rescuing you for your long-term future for the calling. I know most of you aren't called to the ministry, but sometimes the Holy Ghost has me say stuff and it just be for one person. In fact, I've had Pastor Nancy come to the back room more than once, right, Jenny? She's preached the whole sermon and everybody's receiving and everybody's happy because there's still nuggets you can receive from what I've just said, even if you're not called to the ministry. And she'll come to the back room and she'll say, Pastor Craig, what's that person that's sitting there in the third row, three seats from the right? She's wearing a red shirt. Da, 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 da. And I said, I don't know. And I'd go out to the usher and I'd say, quick, you know, she'd say it right as soon as we walked in the door. And, and some people are still milling about. And I'd look out and I'd say, oh yeah. And I'd say, well, that's who that person is. She goes, the entire sermon was for her. 
I don't know what's going on with her. And I'd say, oh, pastor, you have no idea. This I know because I'm the pastor. She's struggling with this, 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 and this. And the Holy Ghost, she said, she would say, the Holy Spirit highlighted her like a light was over her head. And God said, you preach the whole message just to her. Anybody else get something? That's great. But the whole message is to rescue her life. I can't tell you how many times that's happened. And people don't know. They just think the message, and most times the message is for everybody, but sometimes the message is for one person and God will let everybody else hear and receive, but it's one person he's trying to rescue. If they pay attention, you got to pay attention. The Lord is trying to rescue somebody this morning. So pay attention if you've got a five-fold call in your life and go back and listen to this another 10 times before you go to sleep tonight until it gets down in your spirit and then start making the adjustments that you need to make so that your ministry will go forward in the earth. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Well, I'm not going to apologize for it, but I'm trying to get to, to what I want to get to. Anyway, praise God. I was... Uh, I was praying, where are we at, honey? It's 1129, so I have 31 minutes, praise God. I think I can get out a few points in 31 minutes. Uh, I was praying this week, Jenny, because I had everything kind of planned. God said a lot to me on that first week when all this first happened. Remember when we ended our 50 service thing? That was a Sunday night, we ended that. And then the very next service was Wednesday. I believe that was Wednesday, March the 25th. And that was our first Wednesday night on live stream. And that's when I preached about Jairus and only believe. But in that first message, God downloaded all the messages I preached from then up until Easter. So from the 25th, that one message, I only got out one point of that message. But then God gave, gave me a bunch of other messages and points, which I then added stuff to and, and developed. But all the messages from that first Wednesday right up until Good Friday, the, the, the Wednesday before Good Friday, all of those were basically from one session with God in that first week. And he said, I'll tell you when to preach what, but this is all your messages until I tell you to stop. And so that all ended uh, Wednesday, when was that? Wednesday, the 8th of April. So that was what, uh, two weeks, but Fridays, Mondays, Sundays, the whole thing. And then of course, East Good Friday, I knew was a specific message. And Easter Sunday, last Sunday was a specific message. So those were unique messages that were for that particular weekend. Uh, and then of course, on, on Wednesday, Monday, I, I rested. I apologize. I know some of you were saying, where is my pastor? I just was tired after Sunday. It was, it was a, a lot of fasting, praying, preparation. I just, I needed a rest. I needed a break. So thank, thank God for strong prayers like Mr. Rain and Reverend Taylor. They took, did a great job on Monday night. And then, of course, I believe you had a word from God by the unction of the Spirit on, uh, well, actually, I, I taught on, on, on Wednesday, did I not? I taught on Wednesday about the last day great revival, and, and, that's, and we're continuing that Wednesday theme about the move of God that's coming. And then my wife did Friday night by the unction of the Spirit, but I had nothing for, t I had nothing for today because the, all the messages God gave me were up. They were all done. So I said, Lord, I'm kind of starting with a clean slate now. I've, I've said everything that you've told me to say. The only thing I haven't said is the last part of this great revival thing, which is on Wednesday series. And I'm finishing that this Wednesday night where I'm going to continue reading you some prophecies and we're going to talk about the move of God. And, and please don't miss Wednesday because I've done that for two Wednesdays now, but the culmination of it is this Wednesday. I've been leading up to a scripture that God gave me about this end time revival. And I'm going to be sharing that scripture with you Wednesday night, so it's important you tune in. But other than that Wednesday, which will be done in a few days, 
I, I, that's the last message. And I didn't feel to preach that today. I know that's for Wednesday. So I said, Lord, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what to do. You've given me so many messages. You've been so faithful to me. Like literally every single service that we've had, there has been a specific word from God for this congregation. I won't spend time reading them all to you, but if you go back every time, there's been a specific word. And I said, now, Lord, uh, you know, I, 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 the last word, which is this Wednesday night series is coming to a close, but you didn't give me anything after Easter. I have no idea what to share on Sunday, the 19th. I said, all the words you've given me are over. I said, I don't know what to do, Father, but I don't want to just tread water. I want to say the right thing. I want to I'm, a, I'm your FedEx boy. You've got a message for the people you love and you're going to use your, your FedEx boy, the one that you called, the one that has a calling on their life from Jesus, your right hand man called me and he's my boss and he wants me to deliver by the spirit, the message you have for the ones that you love. I said, and I don't have a message. I don't know what you want to deliver. So I began to pray. I began to pray. I began to pray. And a day passed, nothing. Another day passed, nothing. Another day passed, nothing. But I kept saying, Lord, I, I'm not standing up there just to tread water. You, and you've been faithful with all these words, so to speak. I need you to give me a word for the congregation on Sunday because I believe you're going to give me a word every service until this is over because it's a rescue for them. And, and they're going to want to tune in when they know that I'm not just preaching a sermon out of a out of, a, out of a, a file folder. I'm preaching a word from God. And it took a few days, Jenny, but the Lord finally did speak to me. And he spoke to me very, very clearly. And this is what he said. I don't think I'm going to get it all out in the next 26 minutes. I, I'm going to have to pick it up next Sunday. But this is what he said. See, isn't that interesting? I had a sense in my spirit earlier, I'm not going to get through the message, but I don't know why, because I could get through the message. But then as soon as I started talking, that bunny trail about the ministers came. That's why the Holy Ghost was bearing witness. Don't try to rush, son, because I've got other things for you to say and do. You'll get through the message, but there's no rush on getting through the message. Just speak by the Spirit is more important than getting through your notes. So I'm learning. That's a good teaching for all of us. Sometimes we're on a certain path, but the Holy Ghost will prompt us. Go here, do this, call that person, give that money because he's, 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 he doesn't want us to be so tunnel vision that we miss the promptings of the spirit along the journey. Praise God. So I, I, he, but he spoke specifically to me and this is what he said. He said, some of the congregation are not laying hold by faith on the thing that they are asking me for. Now listen closely. Some of the congregation are not laying hold by faith of the thing that they're asking me for. You can ask God for something, but not lay hold of it. What does that mean? You can ask God for something, but not take it. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent Take it by force. That's why Kenneth Hagin would say when he'd pray, Father, I believe, according to Mark eleven twenty four, I believe I have received my healing and I take it now. You, if you knew anything about dead Hagin, you heard him say that many, many, many times. Whatever he was believing God for, he would say, Father, Mark eleven twenty four says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. And the original Greek says, have received them at the time you pray. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. In other words, you receive them by faith in the invisible realm because faith is a confidence, the assurance of things not yet seen. And then you'll have them. They'll show up in the material realm to your five senses. God's job is the latter 
latter part of the verse. Your job is the first part of the verse. God's job is to move situations and circumstances and cause it to come to pass. But your job is to believe you've received it and then let him do his job. A lot of people are trying to do both sides of the coin and they're not built to do both sides. You're not God didn't create you with the ability to make it come to pass. God created you with the ability to believe him. He created you with the ability to speak. He created with you with the ability to trust him. And he's got the ability to move scenarios around and make it manifest to you. So don't try to make it come to pass. Just trust him. Just believe him. That's your side. God's side is the other. But this is what the Lord said to me. Many, not many, some in the congregation are not laying hold of by faith, the things that they've asked me for. So in other words, you can ask God, God, please do this for me. God, please help me. God, I need another thousand dollars this month or next month or whatever the need is. God, I've got this lump over here. I don't know what it is. Lord, I'm, Lord, I'm thanking you for my healing. And they can ask God for things, but they don't, they're asking and it's technically faith, but they're not laying hold of that thing that they've asked God for, and they may have asked God in faith, and it is faith to say, Father, I believe I've received. But there's a difference, Jenny, between saying, Father, I believe I've received. Let me give you an example in my own life for the 30. I, I mean, I could give you examples privately, but I don't like always to share what we're privately believing God for because it's really nobody's business but mine. Because my wife and I are believing God for a certain amount this year by December 31st to come in that we need for a certain thing that is very important for our family. Not a luxury thing, a very important thing that we need. So there's a certain amount. So I, I, but I don't want to always share my personal business because it's none of your business what I'm believing God for, you know? And some ministers do this, and it's not right. They'll tell everybody what they're believing for, but in a, in, a, in a slightly manipulative way to get the people to know their needs so that they may give toward the need. And I don't want to do that. That's why I don't share certain things. I share ministry things, but I don't share private things because none of your beeswax what I'm believing for. It's between me and God. And I'm not trying to get you or manipulate you or anything to try to do anything. Unless God tells you to, that's fine, but that's not what this is about. So I don't tell specifics because I don't feel that that's always the right thing to do. People can misunderstand. So I often talk about ministry-related things because that affects all of us because you're all part of the ministry with me. So let me give you an example, the 35,000. Now, let me, let me tell you, God said some of the congregation are not laying hold of the thing, he means in faith, laying hold of in faith, the thing, the thing that they have asked me for. Now, I can say, Father, according to your word, Mark eleven twenty four, 24, I am asking you, I am claiming, and I am believing for 35,000 a week to come into this ministry. Now, Father, I believe I have received, and I claim the 35,000 a week in Jesus' name. Now, technically, I prayed a prayer of faith. That is the prayer of faith or the prayer of petition. And I'm believing that that's going to come in. But there's a difference now. Now, Jennifer, if what I do is I pray that prayer, and then I forget about it. And this is what a lot of you are doing. That's why God gave me a word for you today. You're asking God. See, what I've done there is asking him. Yeah. I've claimed, I've asked him in faith for something, but there's a difference, my brother and sister, between asking God and laying hold, contending for. There's a big difference, and a lot of Christians don't make the distinction. You simply pray a prayer and you ask God, and it is a prayer of faith. But then if I just forget about that, and I don't even think about it again. 
And once in a while, maybe once a week or once whatever, when a thought wafts across my mind or something somebody says reminds me, and I go, oh, yeah, yeah, thank you, Lord. I believe I received the 35,000. What I've done is I've asked, but I've not laid hold. And it will take a heck of a lot longer to come into manifestation with that kind of, if I could call it this way without offending anybody, lazy faith. That's not the kingdom of God suffers violence. That's the kingdom of God suffers laziness. That's the kingdom of God uh, allow, you know, just, Lord, I just believe I receive and amen. Then when you think about, well, Lord, praise you, Lord, I believe I receive, amen. But it's very sporadic. It's haphazard. That's not the kingdom of God suffering violence and the violence. Take it. That's not the same thing. I can ask God in faith, but not lay hold. That's what he said. Some of the congregation are not laying hold in faith of the thing that they're asking me for or believing me for. Now they've That's part of the pushing it through. They've asked me in faith, but asking and laying hold is not quite the same thing. So let me give you an example. The 35,000, I asked God one day, I asked God, came into agreement with my wife, I asked God for that, but if I just, I haven't laid hold. But what I do is I lay hold of it. What I do is every day, and not religiously or legalistically, because then the letter kills. You got to have it by the Holy Ghost. But because I'm praying so much in the Holy Ghost, that's your problem. Some of you don't even pray. If you pray more in the Holy Ghost, he'd remind you. you. It's good to have lists, but if you just get close to God and you're in a vibrant, constant communication with him, he will remind you when you're missing it because he's your best friend and he's better than any list you could ever write although there's nothing wrong with writing a list but because i he reminds me at the beginning he reminded me more but now i'm getting more skillful at it he'd say come on son don't just you prayed it but but come on lay hold of it and so i'd start to say father and i do it physically because it helps me i'd say father i reach out my hand of faith right now I'm teaching you, if you pay attention, how to lay hold, not just ask. The asking is, Father, I believe I received by faith. Thank you that you'll cause it to come to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. I claim it. That's asking. But laying hold is more aggressive and it's more continual, but not legalistically, but it's, it's a spirit of faith that lays hold. I've asked in faith, but the spirit of faith will lay hold. And so what I'll start, what I'll do later that day and many, sometimes many times in a day, other times only once or twice in a day. But, and sometimes I don't even do it in a day, but the next day I'm right back at it. So I'm not legalistic about it, but I'll say, father, I reach out my hand of faith and I take hold. I lay hold of that 35,000. And if I know that it's not really coming in, I mean, it's, it's way out there. I reach out far because really it's my faith stretch is reached to its maximum. And I say, Father, it's, it's within my measure. If I couldn't reach it, if I couldn't reach it, if this, come here, honey, just, just hold that here. If I can't reach this bottle, if I can't reach it, it's not in my measure. But if I can grab it, even if I've just grabbed it, okay, I got it, thank you, hon. If I've got it even just by my fingers, I don't even have a full grip on it, but I'm holding it, it's technically in my measure of faith. How do you know your measure? Romans 15, 13, there's joy and peace. Do I sweat when I think about it? Am I afraid when I think about it? Then it's not in my measure. But if I have joy and peace in my believing, according to Romans 15, 13, even if I've got it by my fingers, and I don't even have a full grip on it, it's within my measure. But it's as far out as my elastic band of faith can stretch without breaking because God never take you beyond your measure 
And so when I've got it, I'll say, Father, I'm, I'm reaching out and I'm taking this by my hand of faith. And Father, I, and I say it to him. I say, Father, I've prayed the prayer of faith. I believed I received, but I want you to know that I violently, I take it in Jesus' name. I take it by force. I take it, it's mine. I lay hold of it. I contend for it. And I actually talk privately with the same aggression and volume that I'm doing right now. And you say, why? That's weird. You don't have to yell. God can hear you. Yes, God can hear me but I need myself to hear me. I need the devil to hear me. I, the Bible says, stir up yourself in your most holy faith. You've got to stir yourself up. Faith is not a motion. It's a force of the spirit. But when you, if you're just so, you, you won't have that same spirit of faith. That aggression needs to be there. And so I actually raise my voice. Not that it's about raising the voice, but I find for me, it helps me. And even if nobody's in the room, I do it by myself with nobody there because I'm not trying to impress anybody. And I say, Father, I lay hold of it in Jesus' name. That 35,000, I asked you for it. I am contending for it. I am standing for it. I'm believing you for it. I'm aggressive about it. The kingdom suffers violence and I'm a violent one. I take it now. Dad Hagen said, I take it now. I'm telling you, Father, I take it. I take it in Jesus' name. I take it. Devil, you, now you see when you got that kind of, now that spirit of faith is working. Now add the other components. Devil, take your hands off that in Jesus' name. Angels go and cause it to come to pass. Father, I grab it and that's what I say. You can say whatever you want, but I'm telling you what I do. Father, I start pulling it toward me. And I say, I say, Father, I pull it toward me. I pull it. It might be a far stretch, but I got it. And I pull it now. I pull it in Jesus' name. It's getting closer. As it starts to manifest, it comes an inch at a time closer. If it's not manifesting in the offering, I've still got it out here. But then all of a sudden, there'll be a spike week where we'll get 36,000. And I'll say, Father, <laughs> I see it. I've seen it begin to manifest. Might only happen once in a blue moon, but I see it. I've just pulled it an inch closer. The next time it happens, I pull it another inch closer. The next time it happens, I pull it another inch closer. And by the time it's becoming, which it hasn't yet for the 35, but it had for the 30, it had for the 27 and a half before that, all these different amounts we've been believing God for. You've been watching me believe God. You've been believing with me all these years. Every time one of those amounts, I had to reach out far, Jenny, and I'd pull it, pull it, pull it. And by the time it was showing up every week, I got it right here. Now, what is, where's my arm of faith? What's it doing? Is it extended? No, it's here. Now, once you've got the thing and you're actually seeing it manifest on a regular basis in the natural, your arm of faith is not extended anymore, which means your elastic band of faith is relaxed, which means you cannot just get lazy in your faith and say, well, I got the 30, praise God. Let me take a break. No, no, God immediately will give you a new number and he'll expect you to reach back out for a brand new thing and you just got it by your fingernails, but you got it and there's joy and peace and there's an expectation and an aggression and a happiness and an excitement and an anticipation. It's gonna come. Faith is the most exciting thing in the world. And I caught, but you see, I don't just ask Father, I believe I receive, I claim it by faith. I lay hold. They are different colors of the rainbow, even though they sound, they're both faith. 
but there's different colors of the rainbows in faith. One is purple and one is blue, and they blend, so they blend a little bit. But I ask in faith, but then my aggression and my spirit of faith lays hold of that thing, and I say, Father, I take it now. I believe I receive it in Jesus' name, but I'm not just praying a simple prayer and a simple prayer of faith. I'm going beyond that. I am laying hold of it now by faith, and I'm violent in my believing, and I claim it, and I say, you come to me. I commend you, you money. Get in my name. Get in the ministry name. I pull you toward me. I violently take you. I claim you. I pull you now toward me. In Jesus' name. And I do that alone without anybody in the house. So I have a right to preach it because I live it. And it works. I don't just do it in prayer meetings or preaching to you. I do it when nobody's around. I live this gospel, my brothers and sisters. I live it at home like I live it here at the church. And I'm telling you, the Lord said to me, some are not laying hold of the things that they're asking me for. When you're asking in faith, that's good, but there's another level of taking aggression, the violent taken by laying hold of it, contending for it in the realm of the Spirit and saying, I take you now. I believe you. I believe God, and I pull you toward me. It's not just a simple little prayer I'm praying. My whole heart, my whole spirit, the spirit of faith is connecting. It's not just a little prayer. Lord, I'm invested fully. All of me is in this, and I'm telling you it's mine. I take it now. Amen. That's different than a simple little prayer, Lord, I ask you and I believe I receive. Amen. That simple prayer will work, Jenny, it will. but it'll take a lot longer yeah. because the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Praise God. Turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Matthew. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. And Matthew chapter 11, because just some of you maybe need to see it with your own eyes. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it. Do you see that word? Take it. That word in the, in the Greek is harpazo, and it means to seize. It means to catch away. It means to pluck and to pull and to take by force. Thank you, love. It means to seize, to catch away, to pluck, to pull, and to take by force. Now listen, the original Greek word, which is, it's a long word, hahireomahi. Hahireomahi, the original from this, the root word, means to Choose, prefer, and take for oneself. It's a personal taking. You're not taking it on behalf of somebody else. You're taking it for you. So this word here, take it by force, it's literally saying that you are, you are aggressively, now this interesting, both the word take in English and the word force in English are the same Greek word. They, it's saying it differently in English. It's using the word take it by force. But the entire phrase, take it by force, comes from one Greek word, which is harpazo, and it means to seize. It's not just a simple little nice gentle, I'm asking politely. That is faith, but it's one side of faith. But you can now ask and then 
There's a seizing. There's an aggression. There's a violence. There's a spirit of faith. Faith is the asking. Taking is the spirit of faith. I'm trying to get over to you. God is trying to get over to you. It's fine to ask, but he wants you to take. He wants you to release that spirit of faith, that force that taking attitude, that violence, that aggression in a good way. Lord, I'm not just asking, that's faith. I'm taking it. That's the spirit of faith. And the Lord said to me, some of them are, are not laying hold. He's talking about laying hold and pulling it toward them. They're not laying hold of the things that they're asking me for. They're asking me in faith and it's going to eventually come to pass, but it's going to take longer. If you would get that spirit of faith mixed with your faith and lay hold and start to pull aggressively and do it regularly, not legalistically, but the Holy Ghost will remind you if you're not doing it enough, but you shouldn't have to have him remind you all the time because you should do it enough that he doesn't have to remind you. I do it regularly. Father, I lay hold of it. I take it in Jesus' name. Devil! See, then these four things Dad Hagen taught us. Claim what you need. Tell the devil to take his hands off it. Release the angels to go and cause it to come to pass and praise him because he's working behind the scenes. He's working out how to manifest it for you. He's working out the last part of Mark eleven twenty four. Your job is just to release your faith. And those four things, you'll find it flows out of you like a mighty torrential river when you start to get more of the spirit of faith attached to your asking. When you're not just asking in faith, but you're taking it by faith, then it will come out of you. Devil, you take your hands off that. Angels, go and cause it to come. Father, I praise you. See, there's a, that spirit of faith gets working in you and you just start glorifying them. I praise you, God of heaven, that it will come to me because you told me to believe you for it. And I'm doing my part and you're obligated to do your part and I don't care where it comes from. I don't care when it comes. I'll stand as long as I need to stand because the Bible says the longer I stand, patience is having its perfect work and faith works by patience. So I keep my love walk right because faith works by love and I keep my patience was the fruit of the spirit and the fruits of the spirit are the, are the pillars that keep the bridge of faith up. My patience is working. So the longer I have to stay and say, Father, I claim it, the better it is for me because the longer I'm, exper- I'm exercising the fruit of patience in my believing, it is going to come to pass. But the longer I have to stand and experience patience, the Bible says that patience have a perfect work that you may be complete and lacking nothing. James 1. So the longer I'm believing and standing is not a bad thing. It makes me a stronger believer. It perfects my faith. It makes me more perfect and complete in my faith the longer I have to wait. Hallelujah. People think, oh, why am I taking so long? You got the wrong attitude. You don't ever say, why is it taking so long? If you're saying, why is it taking so long? Big clue, take a hint. You're not in faith. When you're in faith, you say, thank God it's taking long. It's taking long because my patience, I am being perfected in my using my faith. My faith, using my faith, believing God. This, this, this thing called faith is becoming more perfect the longer I stand in patience. Thank God it's taking long because I'm getting stronger for every day I wait. And it will surely come to pass as the sun will rise tomorrow, it will come to pass. You see, that's not just asking God. That is laying hold and pulling it towards you. My God, I wish Jenny, somebody had taught me this. They don't know these people. They don't know how blessed they are. Not because I'm great, but because this revelation is great. 
If I had somebody teach me this as a teenager, you know how far ahead I'd be today. You know how many mistakes I wouldn't have made? If somebody had taught me how to be led by the Spirit, if somebody had taught me how to lay hold in faith, that is why Dr. Dufresne's feet and Pastor Nancy's feet, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring the tidings of good news. Not just salvation, anything in the Bible is good news. Salvation is good news, but the baptism of the Holy Ghost is also good news. Learning how to use your faith is also good news. Learning how to intercede in tongues is also good news. Learning how to get healed is also good news. Learning how to have patience in your faith fight is also good news. Learning how to have joy is good news. Learning how to go from the fight of faith to the rest of faith is also good news. Every revelation we get is good news. And his feet and her feet will always be Forever. precious to the fields. Forever. In eternity. Yes. In, I, you say, I, I don't care what you believe. You're wrong. In eternity and for all eternity, I will go and I will say, Doctor, Pastor, let me, let, let me kiss your feet. Not that I'm worshiping you. I worship Jesus. But you were the FedEx delivery boy that the right hand of God called to deliver good news to my ears. And because of the message of Jesus that you preached, I, my whole life, changed. That's why their feet will always be precious to me. In fact, I text Pastor Nancy at least once a quarter, if not more often. I just did it last week. I said the defraying feet will be precious to me for all eternity. You know where I learned that from? Brother Jerry would tell me, Brother Copeland's feet are precious to the Savelle family forever. And that so stayed with me because his feet brought good news to the Savelle family. And the Savelle feet are precious to me. And the Greer feet are precious to me. And the Dufresne's feet are very, very precious to the Field family. And can I say this? Very precious to the Promise of Life family. Because a lot of what you're getting is because of what the Dufresne's put in me. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So pray for Pastor Nancy. Yes. Pray for her. Pray for her ministry. Hallelujah. If God tells you, you don't give at the expense of, of the place that you're planted in. So you don't give your tithe to her. That's not scriptural. But in addition to your tithes and offerings, your regular giving here, if God were to speak to you something extra, then consider giving that to her. Because She's precious. Why? Because the message of good news that her and her husband, and she continues to, he's gone now, so we only have what he had time to get out, but she continues to unload and flow out. This message is so precious. I'm trying to help you. Many of you are asking, and that's faith. Congratulations. Join the faith club. But you need to take a step up now. And you need to get the spirit of faith operating on your asking, which is that violent, aggressive attitude. I lay hold, I contend, and I take it, and I command it to come to me. Devil, take your hands off it. Angels, go cause it. Father, I believe with every fiber and cell of my being, spirit, soul, and body that I'm pulling it toward me. And as I see it manifest, it gets closer and closer and closer. And as it's coming in on a regular basis, it's finally mine. I got it, not just in the realm of the spirit, but my eyes now see it as well. And then I let that go because I've got it and I reach out and I take the next thing he's asking me. Glory to God. 
Listen, can I say two examples and then I'll close? It's 11.59. Jenny, uh, when, and, I, and, and I know this, and I do this for the church budget, but it's easy to miss doing this in other areas. So I'm sharing this example so that you'll learn from my mistake. I do this for the church budget. But when Randy came two years ago in 2018, and he did the Mississauga miracle, and, and God spoke that amount to him, do you remember? Whatever it was, 276,000 or whatever that amount was, whatever that amount was, I think it was 276. And now I'm doing this for the church budget all the time. But now, now we have another thing looming there, right? Which is this, that's impossible. Like we've never raised that much money. Now we broke a ceiling. Now we can believe for 379,000. Last year we got 246,000. But, but the but year in 18, that was, a impossible, that was impossible. We had never broken that glass ceiling in our faith before. But see, I'm doing this aggressive calling for the church general budget. But when it comes to that, when it come to that uh, Mississauga miracle, you know, he, we both prayed in my car, in the parking lot of the, of the hotel, we prayed the prayer of agreement. That's faith. But I didn't lay hold and he did. That's the difference. He continued after the prayer of agreement with the spirit of faith, laying hold. And I wasn't doing it. I do it for the other things, but I wasn't doing it for that. See, I had to be corrected. Then I would get in the car and the th first thing he'd say, and not religiously, not to try to be the confession police. He'd just say, well, praise God, we, we have received the yeah. 276. And he just says, I'm driving. He just says, Lord, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I, I call it. I commend it to come. In Jesus' name, I take it now. It, yeah. And then he'd just change the subject and talk about something else. And then as we're getting in the car, he'd say the same thing. I take it now. And then if he's texting me, he'd text me once in a while. I take it now. And see, all week I wasn't doing that. I was just kind of like, it was beyond me. So I'm saying, Lord, help him. Lord, help him. Help him believe because I don't know if I can believe you for this. But you see, I watched him lay hold of it. It wasn't just a prayer. The spirit of faith and the taking it, he had that all week. And then I heard the Holy Ghost about the fourth day. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday night. It was a Sunday to a Thursday. But I think it was Wednesday night or something. I heard the Holy Ghost say, why don't you pay attention to what he's doing? You do this for the general budget for the church, but you're not doing it for the special project. You do it for the budget, but you also do it for the special project. Why don't you just pray, but you're not laying hold of it? Why don't you lay hold of it and claim it? And so I'd say, Father, I claim it. I lay hold of it. I aggressively, violently with the spirit of faith, take it now. And I got on board with him, but he had to do that alone for the, for the majority of the week until I got on board with him. And then praise God, the money came in and then we counted it the next week, remember? And we had a video from him and all the money that we needed and more came in. So now with the 379, I've learned from that example. I don't just lay hold of the 35 and call it in aggressively. Anything I'm believing for, in this case, 379 for this building and for the airplane hangar, I lay hold of it and I claim and I pull it in Jesus' name. You see, that spirit of faith is on the special project. My taking it, my laying hold of it is on the special project as well as my weekly budget for yeah. the church. And not only that, for us personally, there's a certain amount that we're believe in God for. So Jenny and I, we have now, we, we know what it is because we've done our budget and now we lay hold of it and we pull it in Jesus name aggressively toward us. Right. Amen. So I'm doing that on multiple battlefronts. Yes. Financially, I'm talking. I do, and you could do this for healing as well. You believe in healing, you aggressively claim it and take it. 
I'm just focusing on finances more, objects, things, money. I do this for my personal budget. I do this for the family church budget. And I do this for special projects for the church. I do this for special projects for my wife and I. You can ask God, but there's a difference between asking in faith and laying hold by the spirit of faith. There's a difference. The laying hold by the spirit of faith is stronger. It's deeper. It's more. It's a higher measure. It's a higher level of that faith. Don't, he said to me, some are not laying hold of what they're asking me. What is he saying? They're asking me in faith, but they don't have that laying hold, the spirit of faith, the violent taking it in Jesus' name. And if you don't have that, it won't work as efficiently, as quickly, and as skillfully for you. And I want you to get it. So listen, some of you, like you heard Danielle share earlier, she believed God for an amount in April. I don't know what amount it was, but she knows. God knows. And knowing Danielle, if I know Danielle at all, which I do, Danielle's got the spirit of faith about her. I know that she wouldn't have just prayed, oh Lord, please, I ask you, I claim in Jesus' name, amen, and never think about it again. She asked in faith, but I know her. She would have been, Father, I take that now. I believe that now. I thank you for that now. Devil, take your hands off it in Jesus' name. Angels, go cause it to come. I praise you. You're working behind the scene. I claim it. I take it. It's mine in Jesus' name. I know her. She'd be doing that. And look, before April even, before April's even over, all the money and more that she needs. Now, you see, you say, well, that, that's Danielle. That's you, Pastor Craig. But if work for Danielle, it could work for you. If it can work for this many other people in our congregation that have been doing this since coronavirus, and of course that live this as a lifestyle, if it works for them, it can work for you. It doesn't just work for me because I'm a preacher. My faith is the same as yours. I don't have a special faith because I'm a preacher. I've got to build my faith in the Bible just like you've got to build your faith in the Bible. In fact, I've got to build my sanctification, holy living, because I'm tempted just like you are to sin just like you are. I have to build up my holy living so that I don't sin because I'm just like you. The anointing to preach has got nothing to do with whether I'm tempted or not. The anointing to preach has got nothing to do whether I resist temptation or not. The anointing to preach has got nothing to do with my personal faith when I walk out of this building and the anointing is gone. And I'm just like you, a regular person. And I feel the same things you feel. And I feel afraid. And I, my mind's trying to figure out where it's coming from. And I have to stop that and say, no, in Jesus' name. I'm not my job to figure it out. My job is to trust him. I lay hold of it in Jesus' name. Remember that Friday night, the 27th of March? Wednesday, I said, only believe. And Friday, God said, don't ever let go the place that you're occupying in the spirit. What does he mean? He was saying, because I'd let go on the 35,000 to reduce it to an emergency budget and that displeased the Holy Ghost because backwards always displeases him. He wants you to move forward in your faith despite famine. And he didn't want me to let go. I was letting go. He said, don't you ever let go of the place you're occupying. Now he's saying it differently, but it's the same thing. The place you're occupying is a thing that you're believing God for, is a thing that you're laying hold of. Don't let go the grip of faith. Don't let go. Don't let go what you're laying hold of. Lay hold of it. Occupy it. Believe for it. Get faith turned into the spirit of faith and get aggressive. And I promise you, it will come to pass. In Jesus' name, it will come to pass. You say, you don't know my circumstances. I don't need to know. God knows your circumstance. You don't know how impossible it is. I don't need to know. God knows how impossible. Don't you think it's impossible in coronavirus for us to prosper? And look at what's happening. Personally and ministerially. And we're sowing big, but we're prospering big too. 
It can work for you, my brother and sister. Faith works the same. Now, Jenny is stretching. Do you know what stretching means? Jenny is stretching because she's telling me, Pastor Craig, it's over now. It's done. The boat has sailed. The plane has taken off. But it hasn't yet left the runway, Jenny. I have one more thing to say before you come up with the microphone. I want to give you a practical praise report about this working. Not only are we believing for the money per week, not only are we believing for special projects, but can I tell them the testimony? A year ago, on April the 12th, it was a Friday. It was the last day Jerry Savelle was with us. Remember, he came Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, just three days. On Friday afternoon, April 12th, I picked up the keys to the airplane hangar. And early Saturday morning at 6.30 a.m., before he got on the plane, we drove him up there so he could see the hangar. He blessed it. He prophesied to me. He, he, he really encouraged me in my faith. Yeah and told me how, this, how God was doing it for me was the same the way God did it for him. And uh, he said, now, Hanger, you be filled with a plane. <laughs> now, Hanger, you be filled with a plane. And so what have I done for a year? I've been saying, Father, that hangar's lying empty. Yeah. And some folks had suggested to me, well, rent it out to somebody. Let somebody else pay $500 a month and let them use the hangar. And I said, well, Lord, I'd rather make $500 a month, 500 to 6,000 a year than nothing. And the Holy Ghost said, don't you do it. And I said, but Lord, why? Because this, we're, we, this is a nice hanger. It's empty. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, I gave you that hanger. I did a miracle to get that hanger to you. And he did. Yeah. And he said, and I don't want some sinner in there cussing, swearing, drinking, smoking, and looking at pornography in my hanger. So I called Brother Jerry and I said, Jerry, this is what God said to me. Uh, I'm going to do what he said, but I'm just curious as to your opinion because you told me that you had the same story. And he goes, God told me the exact same thing 35 years ago, whatever it was that he's telling you. He said, God told me, don't you dare put a sinner in that hangar. That hangar is sanctified. It belongs to me. So that hangar is set empty for a year. But you know what I've been doing? I've been saying, Father, I call that plane in in the name of Jesus. I don't even have my license yet, but I call it in. I'm calling it in. I lay hold of it and I call it in. I take it in Jesus' name. Nothing, 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 nothing. Then February of this year, the Holy Ghost speaks to me and says, it's time to get the pilot's license, son. So I start looking. I'm telling you a reason for the story. I start looking, Jenny. I went and did a whole bunch of research because I'm a bit anal and a nerd that way. I have to research everything so that I'm getting the best deal. But that's a good thing because it's ministry money and I don't want to waste ministry money. So I went and met with the chief flight instructor at the Brampton Airport where we have the hangar and I found out all the costs of the courses. You've got to do a, a, a book course and then you've got to do an in-cockpit course called ground school and flight school. And so I looked at the prices and I, and I, I add all the miscellaneous fees and taxes and blah, 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 everything onto it. And, and, and it was going to cost quite a bit of money, far more than I thought it would cost. And, but I felt a check in my spirit. But it, why would I feel a check? I, I had the hangar there. Obviously, I'm going to learn to fly there if I've got the hangar there. But I kept feeling a check in my spirit, but I didn't know why. So I called Randy and I said, Randy, I feel a check in my spirit. I, this is in February. I don't know. And he goes, well, he says, let me, wh why don't you consider doing it in the States? So then I started researching all of that and doing an online course and having his son be my flight instructor in Tulsa. And then when he came up in March, March the 8th, he came up and that whole week we talked about it and, got, and finally it clicked in my spirit, man, there was peace. There was a check in the natural 
in the, in the Canadian side of things to learn here, but there was a piece to do in the States. But my mind was fighting me because I'm like, why would I fly to Tulsa when I could just drive 10 minutes to the airport? And I didn't really know why. So then I started doing the money side of things. And I discovered, lo and behold, that not only by doing it online as opposed to a classroom is better because I can work at my own pace and go as fast or as slow as I want. Whereas in a classroom, you're limited to how fast they'll let you go. Plus coronavirus shut everything down. So they don't even have classes for the foreseeable future. So the Holy Ghost knew all of this stuff. And when I added up everything, including the U.S. exchange rate, when I added everything up, including flying to Tulsa, flying home to do everything, you know what it cost me, Jenny? It costs half the amount of doing it in Canada and in half the time, less than half the time. It would have taken me 11 months and a large chunk of money to get that, all that pilot stuff done in Canada. It cost half the amount with the exchange and all the little factors included, half the amount and half the time to do it in the States. Now, the Holy Ghost knew that. He gave me a check, but my mind couldn't figure out to follow the inward witness. I, didn't fig I couldn't figure out why. It didn't seem to make sense. But then when I crunched all the numbers, it I said, Lord, that's why you're having me do it. It's costing the ministry half the money, and it's costing me half the time. So when Randy comes up, we talk about it, we talk about it, we talk about it. And so now Randall is official with the FAA. He's my instructor. It's all done. We paid our fees. He's registered with the government in America and I'm ready. I'm doing the pilot's course. As soon as the borders open, I go and I write the test in Buffalo to get passing that test. And then I go fly down in the summer to Tulsa for a week at a time. I'll come back for Sundays, but a week at a time for about three weeks, I go down for a week at a time to fly with Randall Jr., his son and get my cockpit training. Now, hold on. Are you ready? So all of this is now coming to pass, coming to pass nicely. But then in, when, in March when he was here, we started talking about, you know, what kind of plane am I going to be flying in when I'm practicing in Tulsa? What, what trainer? And so he was telling me the trainer, there's always the same kind of plane. It's a Cessna 172. He's telling me the trainer. And, 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 and then he says, you know, he says, most people, they just come and, and he said, but it's not really that great, Craig, to do it that way where you just show up and whatever plane is available, you take. He said, first of all, you might have a different year's model and the, and the, and the, the, the cockpit so the, where the different things are might be a little different. The radio might be a little different. And so you have to do a mini learning curve every time you get in the plane. He said, and also, uh, it's first come, first serve, so they don't make appointments, so you could fly down and be ready to fly one morning, but they got no planes till the afternoon. And so you have to wait, and you have to wait, because they're busy, and then the plane you get might be different to the plane last time. He goes, I know you want to get this highfalutin Cirrus that he flies, half a million dollar airplane. He said, but maybe it might be better for you to consider just getting a smaller plane to start to train. And I looked at him and I smiled and I said, Brother Randy, I said, God's already told me that. I just haven't had a chance to update you. When I was in South Korea in October in a, in a, in a, in a little store there where Jenny and some pastors were buying some stuff, God spoke to me in the store and said, I do not want you to buy a Cirrus first. It is too expensive. Not that God can't afford it. He didn't explain why to me. He just said it will cost too much and it's too, you don't need it. 
you need to get a smaller aircraft and train and build your hours. Then after we got back from from uh, South, South Korea, we called the insurance company. And see, God doesn't explain everything to you, but just trust him. When we called the insurance company, not only is the plane beyond my measure of faith, half a million right now, but on top of that, the insurance company won't even insure me on that plane. They don't insure rookie pilots on a plane that advanced. It's too of a higher risk. It's not a matter of it being too much money. They just won't insure you. So had we bought the Cirrus, I wouldn't even be able to fly it because you can't get insurance on it because I don't have any hours in the cockpit. God knew all of that with, even though I didn't know it when he said to me in South Korea, don't buy the bigger plane first, buy a little plane. So then I've been planning. I haven't told Randy, but I've been planning over Christmas and January. Okay, we're going to buy a little plane. I'm not really sure what, Lord. And we're going to build up our hours. We need about 150 hours before the insurance will cover me on a better plane. And so I now, Randy, and I'm dating him. We're at the table. This is back in March, and he's talking to me. And he goes, wonderful, Craig. He said, he said uh, let me see if I can find you a Cirrus 172 because that would be a great plane for you. And then we had to go through all the rigmarole of how do we buy it in the U.S. if we're a Canadian charity. There's all these rules you have to go through. Randy is so kind. He's been researching this for us. You know, they're not charging us a penny, calling, find, even, even during coronavirus, been researching all of this for us. Well, uh, what is the date today, Jennifer? Today is the 19th. On the 16th, last Thursday night, your, your blessed pastor, Jennifer, is at home sleeping. I'm out driving and praying because I'm restless. And I'm praying and I hear the Lord say to me, Jenny, as I'm driving, buy an airplane. And he said it just like that. I said, buy an airplane? Lord, I know we've been talking about a trainer, but we're in coronavirus. The devil 19 is upon us. You don't buy a plane during the devil period. And I heard him say, buy an airplane. And I thought, how am I going to buy an airplane? We'd, I don't even have any money for the airplane. I know we're going to buy a small airplane, but this is not the time to buy an airplane. But I heard him, Jenny, he said, buy an airplane. So I picked up the phone and I called Randy right then uh, as, I'm, as I'm driving. I put it on speakerphone. And I said, Brother Randy, God just said to me, buy an airplane. And he said, glory to God, you know, Brother Randy. He said, God is with us. <laughs> he said, you'll fly away, oh glory, you'll fly away. And I said, yes, okay, thank you for all the colloquial comments, but I'm buying an airplane. What does that mean? And he says, Pastor Craig, I wanted to call you, but I didn't because I didn't want to influence you or put pressure on you. But I've been sensing in my spirit that you need to buy an airplane right now. I said, why didn't you call me? He says, because I don't want to pressure you. You've got to hear it from God. I said, I heard God say, buy an airplane. And we're in coronavirus. How is that the right time? I don't know. And he says, let me tell you why God's telling you that. Because right now you can buy airplanes at slash prices because people are panicking and they're in fear and they're desperate for money. And you can get an amazing airplane for a greatly reduced cost. I didn't know that when God said buy an airplane. So from last Thursday to last night, that's Thursday the 16th, the 17th and the 18th, three days he's been searching. He's opened up an American company that I'm a, legally, we've done it all legally so that we can buy the airplane, put it in that American company. It's perfectly legal. We got insurance at like, what, like $50 a month. It's nothing. Everything's set for me to come down. All we need is the airplane. And last night, he sent me, um, he's going to, we're not 100% sure, but I think this is the one. He thinks this is the one. 
So he sent me a picture of Promise of Life Church's new airplane. Now, it's just a simple little airplane, but you got to start somewhere. You don't start with a Falcon 50 like Jesse has. You don't start with a Citation 10 like Brother Copeland has. You know, Brother Copeland started with a little tiny plane like this too. You start where your measure of faith is at. And so he sent me, would you like to see a picture of, now there's not 100%, but you know how kind he is to us? He said, the plane is located in a hangar, 45 minute flight away. He said, I'm leaving tomorrow to fly there to inspect it for you. And then to bring in a mechanic to do the pre-buy inspection. This is how kind he is to us, that he would fly his own plane to look at Promise of Life's plane. God told him, Craig needs to buy a plane, but he wouldn't tell me. God told me, I had no idea you could save money at a time like this, and we're getting a plane with all the added instrumentation that you don't normally get, and it's a, and it's a drastically reduced price. And it's clean, and it's, it's got perfect logs in terms of all the bookkeeping and everything. So put up that first picture just so that my precious congregation can see kind of what we're looking at. That's most likely going to be, I know I told you it's simple, but you got to start somewhere. Praise God. So that's the, that's the plane that we're believing God to buy. Go to the next picture and you'll see there it is on the runway again. Go to the next picture and you'll see, look, I, I mean, considering it's a, it's a number of years old, but they've kept it so clean. Go to the next picture. That's the back seats. It's only seats four. It's just a training aircraft. It's not what we're going to have forever. It's just for the first year or so. And then we're going to believe God to move up to the next level and go to the next picture. I think it shows the instrumentation there. And, uh, and they, they've just, they've taken such good care and there's digital instrumentation. Most of these planes, Jennifer, this type doesn't have digital instrumentation. They only have analog, but they've got IFR, which means you can fly in the clouds, not just VFR. All this stuff is already in it and at a reduced price. And Reverend Randy is negotiating with the man to try to bring the price even further down. He's flying out to see it. And I just, I felt like I needed to tell the car, just take that off and let them see me again. I felt like I needed you to see something physical. I've been laying hold of that and pulling it in and not even knowing the timing, not knowing where, not knowing when, not knowing where the money's coming from. Certainly not during coronavirus, but God knew all the backstory and he knew we could save money at this. And then I said, but Lord, how are we going to pay for this? And here's the best part. I know some of them are thinking he's going to ask for an offering. I can feel it coming. He's going to ask for an offering. Let me tell you, I don't need no money. That's the first time they've ever heard me say it, and they're probably recording it because it's such a shock to them. You know why? Because we had to cancel some trips this year because of coronavirus. We already had some money in the travel fund. See, there's the general budget and there's a travel fund, and they're completely separate. What we do with the travel does not come out of our general operating budget, what you give tithes and offerings for. It's a separate thing that I believe God for and that money comes in from different sources. And we had some money assigned for a plane and for training, but not enough. But because of the slash in the price, because I've had to cancel some trips because of coronavirus, we were able to add up all that money and it comes to what we need for the plane and we don't even have to take an offering because the money is already there in our travel budget. Like I said, because things were canceled and because the price was cut, we are able to afford it without even taking an 
offering. I mean, isn't that amazing, Pastor Jennifer? God is, and God knew this. I didn't know coronavirus would be the right time. I didn't know what type of plane. I didn't know anything, and I certainly didn't know where the money was coming from, and God just had the whole thing. But what, what was my job? Well, not to figure all that out. I'm figuring it out now as it's unfolding. But all these months, I haven't tried to figure it out. I've just been saying, Father, I call that plane, and I lay hold of it. I lay hold of it, and I pull it in in Jesus' name. I command you to come in Jesus' name. And it works. Faith works. Now, some of you, I know you because you get mad at me when I buy stuff and I don't give you a chance to give. Seriously, some people actually get upset with me. Well, you can't do that. You didn't give me a chance to sow. I want you to know that the travel fund, because of cancellations this year and because of the price slashing for this plane, because of coronavirus, the travel fund can cover it. If you want to sow and get in on the first aircraft in our aviation department in Promise of Life Church Ministries. If you want to be a part of it, you can give a separate offering, not your tithes and offerings, please. Not even your second offering for the camera. If you want to do something else, that's up to you. You give and mark on it plain. Be very specific. And we will just put that to help offset the cost. But I want you to know that we're doing this and we don't even need an offering for it because we are able to do it because of God's faithfulness and because of the leading of the Spirit. If we had waited, Jenny and bought the plane after coronavirus, we would have to take an offering. Yeah. But right now, it is the perfect time to strike because everybody else is afraid and we are not afraid. <laughs> it's a perfect time to strike because they're in panic, but we're not in panic. And they're willing to just take, just give me whatever you want for it. They're not saying that, but just it's, give me whatever you think because I just need the money, I'm afraid. And, minister, and we have a chance to take advantage, not to take advantage of them, but to get a good deal, praise God. Isn't the, Lord, isn't the Lord so wonderful the way that he's worked this out? So we're going to get that plane and I'm going to go down there and, and Reverend De Greer has a little house uh, connected to his hangar that he's letting me stay in for free. I don't even need to stay in a hotel. I come down from the loft. The plane is sitting there in the hangar waiting for me. His son shows up. We go flying. We come back. And I do that for a couple weeks, a few weeks. I have all my hours. And then we're going to fly the plane up to Canada with Reverend Greer. He's going to come on the inaugural trip. And he's going to preach on Sunday morning at that service. And then we're going to have a barbecue party at the hangar. So after service, we're going to have anybody that wants to come. We're going to all drive up there to the Brampton Airport. You can park. And we're going to have barbecue. And we're going to have you see the hangar in person. You see the plane in person. And then with Reverend Greer, we're all going to lay hands on that aircraft. And we're going to commission it and, and, and dedicate it to the work of the ministry and to the glory of God. And we're going to have a little party after service up at the hangar with our new plane sometime probably in September. Praise God. Maybe September or October. But, but let's, let's, say they, let's say they open the borders by then. Praise God. And yeah, the, 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 the airport won't mind it because we'll just be nice and polite and, and respectful and quiet. But we'll have a, a quiet party. But it will be awesome. And so you'll get to see the plane. I know it's a simple plane. I know some of you are looking for some kind of a citation jet. Listen, I got to go with my measure of faith. But I'm so happy we've started, Jenny. Do you understand, Jenny? We've started now. This has come to pass. And, and oh, and, and this is what the Lord said to me so kindly. I didn't even, I didn't even realize it. But this last night, he said, did you notice the date? The date. I looked at the calendar. I said, what do you mean the date? He said, last year on April 12th, you got the keys to the hangar. And this year, in the same week, because this year, April 12th is a Sunday, it's the first day of a week. The first week, the same week, the anniversary week that we got the keys to the hangar, we, God said, 
on Thursday by the plane and on Saturday, he revealed, Saturday night, last night, he revealed the plane to us. I believe it's this one. So the same week, the anniversary week of, of April 12th, the Easter week of April 12th. Isn't that amazing how exactly a year later, a year and four days to be exact, but exactly a year later, virtually, God gave us the hanger. Do you, you, you don't tell me God doesn't work with patterns, Jenny. He doesn't work with cycles. I'm telling you. And he authored it. I didn't author it at all. I didn't even know what was happening. He just spoke to me Thursday night by an airplane. And it was the same anniversary week that we took hold of the hanger. And now we're taking hold of the plane. The plane is paid for. If you want to sew, you can, but you don't have to. The hangar is not paid for. We still need 179,000 plus the 200 for capital court. So we're believing for 379 and it will surely come in. I've laid hold of it. And God will use me to help. And I'm giving a very generous offering and God will use you to help. So pray what he would like you to give because he's setting you up for your own miracle harvest. Hallelujah. The plane is on the way.